the top one more time. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of All the WrestleManians, the podcast. I am your co-host, Tim Hackman. And I'm Rich Sigwald. And I uh, hope you caught our recent episodes. We had a great interview with uh, wrestling and pop culture scholar Dr. Mark Willett. And we did a really fun review of an absolutely bonkers AWA Superclass show. That one was a lot of fun. Um, and so recently we've uh, we've talked to scholars, we've talked to wrestlers. Um, but today we're really excited because today's our first time kind of talking to somebody from the, the business side of pro wrestling. Um, and as you've probably gathered, it's also our first time experimenting with the, the live stream so we'll see how all this goes and uh, um, our special guest today is Jerry Stefanitis. Jerry is the director of operations for Virginia Championship Wrestling based right here in the Hampton Roads area. He's a Norfolk native and has been with VCW since 2004. As the director, Jerry has also served as a manager for several VCW talents during his time with the company leading to his current feud with Benjamin Banks of VCW Tag Team Champions, the Golden Pinky Society. So we'll talk more about that, of course. But first, we're going to play just a little promo from the director talking about his upcoming tag team match for those VCW title belts. Paint cans off the back of the truck today? I'm an athlete. Understand me? You see this medal? You see you see this medal right here? You know who gave this to me? The late, great Luthez. Back in 1996... I trained with the great Luthez, and I was awarded the best wrestler in summer camp. That's right. I'm a Luthez trainee, you idiots. I'm a shooter. I'm going to hurt you so bad July 29th. I can't wait. I can't wait. You know, I might be 39, but I'm turning back the clock to 1999. Because that's when I was the third in the Tidewater Amateur Wrestling Conference. The only reason I lost was due to technicalities, understand? Benjamin Banks... Diamond Victor Griff, July 29th, Croc Center, Liberty Lottery. The reason and I are going to embarrass you idiots. I can't wait. I'm going to embarrass you both so bad. I'm going to take your tag team championship. That's right. I'm going to wear tag team championship in Virginia. Jerry Stefanitsis, just think about this for a minute. Jerry Stefanitsis, VCW tag team champion. I want you to sit on that, let it ruminate a little bit, breathe it in. Because it's going to happen. It's going to happen. Whether you like it or you don't. Oh, man. That's a hot promo. <laughs> welcome to the show, Mr. Director Jerry Stefanitsis. Welcome to the welcome. Thank you. Thank you. And we, we sold 800 tickets the day that promo went live. So that mm. makes me a draw, right? That's how. I mean, we didn't really sell 800 What's tickets. Your, that, that would be great. It'd be great. Calling if that, you big money case. here. Right, right. What's your catchphrase? You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome is is my <laughs> That's my sign off. Yep. Very nice. Started as a rib, but it's 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 a thing now, so I just keep I just keep rolling with it. I mean, I like it. You know, it, uh you're encouraging people to to show the gratitude that you're due, you know, as the as the top talent that you are. When you're the boss, you know, you, you should be taking credit for everything is what I've learned. You know, I think that it's it's important when you when you reach that status of figurehead, you know, like all, every decision is 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 basically yours. So you know the 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 result and and the credit should go to you. I mean, that's how business works, right? That's how most businesses work. That's fair. I think that's that's right out of uh, one of those books I read. Um, I'm not sure which one, but it was definitely one. Maybe it was Mein Kampf. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> 
Well, so the, you, you and uh, and the reason, of course, are, are set to face the Golden Pinky Society. That's Benjamin Banks and Diamond Victor Griff at the VCW Liter- Liberty Lottery coming up Saturday, July 29th at the Croc Center here in Norfolk. Um, you seem, uh, I'd say, pretty confident about your chances to get that team and uh, your ability to hang with, with two guys who are much larger than you. So how do you see all this playing out for you and the reason? Well, I have the best tag team partner anyone could ask for. So that that's really what, why I'm as confident as I am because, you know, I, although I am, you know, I said it in the in the promo you played before, right? Like I'm a legitimate shoot athlete. You know, I was, I have medals. I have a, a huge trophy on my trophy case here in the house. I mean, I I'm, could legitimately hurt these guys if I wanted to. If I wanted to grab a hold, they wouldn't know what to do. I mean, it it just, it's it's that simple. But the reason, I mean, He's been a wrestler for many years. He's been a champion all over the place. Uh, you know, he, he's in great tip-top athletic condition. Uh, he's, I talked to him right before I called you guys, and he's on his way to the gym right now getting ready for this match. And I, I bet you Benjamin Banks is cosplaying somewhere right now. He, you know, he's probably you know, dressed up like some anime character, like hanging out in his house. Like he, he, These guys, him and Griff, you know, I don't think they take what it takes to be a, a champion as seriously as they, as they should, the work you have to put in. Uh, you know, I was... I was at the gym for 72 hours this week, uh, you know, and it's only Tuesday. So do the math on that. That's impressive. Yeah, no, that's it's pretty really impressive, good. right? Yep, yep. So we're we're just, you know, I think our chances are pretty good. I, th- I think if, if I were making bets, um, you know, I know the casino in Norfolk's not open yet, but if I were making bets, I would make bets on, on us, uh, you know, walking out of there with a tag team championship. Yeah. I mean, I follow uh, I follow the reason on the Facebooks, and he's always at the gym. I mean, I don't even I don't even think he does anything else. He just he just works out and posts pictures of his workout results. So that's I think that's pretty much all you got to do. Yeah, it's not real if you didn't post it. Yeah, it's not real if you didn't post it on social media. You have to you have to make sure you document it, and you know, so that way everyone everyone knows what you're doing. That's that's how it goes. That's Facebook fair. official. Uh, yeah. So you mentioned just a bit ago that you're the boss. So if you're calling the shots or running things or the director of operations, how do you feel that it's fair that you're actually representing talent and that you're working and you're challenging for championships? Like, it seems unfair. Well, what is unfair, uh, and this wasn't my choice. Let me just preface that as well. So the way this this whole thing shook out, I'll take you back to the beginning. So Benjamin Banks was one of my clients many years ago, before I was director of operations. We had a great relationship. He had much success underneath me. And uh, then he got a little too big for his britches, and he turned on me. And uh, I was so embarrassed by the whole escapade, I disappeared for four years. I decided I'm just going to work behind the scenes. I'm not going to manage anybody. Uh, You know, this guy was completely ungrateful. Uh, I I don't want to have to deal with ungratefulness ever again. And then, you know, some time went by and I, I kind of, you know, COVID happened and we were all locked indoors and I, I missed it. You know, I really missed just being around wrestling. And then this opportunity came for me to become director of operations. And I was like, you know what, let me get let me get back out there. And, and business has been wor- wonderful ever since I became director of operations. Let me preface that as well. But I've always kept in the back of my mind what Benjamin Banks did to me. I just wanted to plot the course and pick the right time to get my revenge on him. So I've done that. I've embarrassed the guy like 52 times since, you know, uh, he's been tag team champion of ECW. I'm going to continue to embarrass him. But it was Commissioner George Pantis who actually stepped in and said that we have to wrestle them now in this tag team match after I defeated Benjamin Banks in like Goldberg-like time 
at ODU. I mean, it was the that was one of the fastest matches I think in VCW history. The guy had no chance. So I, I don't even know why we're wrestling them again. But it is going to be nice, you know. I, I, I've thought about it, and although it might seem greedy for a boss to also you know have a championship, it would be like if I made myself employee of the month. But I think you know you only live once. You know, and I'm I'm going to be 40 in September. I think for my 40th birthday, all I really want for my birthday is to walk out with a VCW championship, just so I can go in the record books and have that on my, you know, on my resume. Right, you're you're a regular Vern Gagne. You just want to put the belt on yourself and carry the company, right? Uh, Vern's not the only one who did that. <laughs> I mean, Dusty Rhodes, uh, you know, um, it's so many different promoters. I mean. Uh, Von Eric put it on each one of his kids. I mean, you know, you've got you've got all these different promoters where that's happened, you know. But it takes an athlete to go out there as well and to perform and to win a championship. It's not just about being put in the right position to win a championship. It's about going out there and delivering, and that's what we're going to do on July 29th. We're going to deliver, and we're going to embarrass the Golden Pinky Society. And you know, I'm, I'm, my 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 hope is that Benjamin Banks realizes. He's much better suited for the Comic-Con conventions. He's much better suited for doing his podcast, whatever he talks about in his podcast, and then he just kind of rides off into the sunset and disappears after after I embarrass him. So then you're going to square up against them, go face-to-face, no shenanigans, no tricks, no ambushes before the match... No, what what you're does gonna, that even mean? Gonna, like you're gonna no, you're I'm, gonna you're just gonna you're gonna face them fair and square, mano y mano in the ring. Why wouldn't I? I mean, I'm 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 a fair, you know, a fair, impartial, unbiased individual. Like I would never need I wouldn't need to take a shortcut. You know, I've I've every athletic contest I've ever won in my life has been off of my merit. So why would this be any different? I'm I'm confused by your, your the way you're stating your question. It seems like you're coming at me a little accusatory. Is this gotcha journalism? Like, what, what did I sign well, up for? Well, I mean, I mean, I I was there at the uh, ODU volleyball arena. I drove four hours to come to that show, and uh, what I was looking forward to was a Jerry Stefanitsis match. But what actually ended up happening was was an ambush before the match and a beatdown. And then you just put your pinky on top of the guy. Benjamin Banks tripped on the way to the ring is what happened. And the reason was trying to help him back up. And when he fell, he hit his head. You know, concussions are very serious. You don't know what kind of damage they can, they can do to a person. So we, if you watch the tape, we helped him up into the ring. It's not my fault he couldn't get up. I mean, what am I supposed to do? I feel like I was, I was very merciful because I could have really done some damage to him. He was completely unconscious. Like I said, if I wanted to grab a grab a choke or you know grab his arm or grab a leg, you know I, I could have done I could have broken his bones and he wouldn't even be able to defend the tag team championship. But I was very kind in only dropping an elbow on him and then pinning him with the pinky. And I, yeah, I you're right. I did pin him with a pinky. It's a little it's a little much, but it was necessary because, like I said, he embarrassed me, and sooner or later it needed to come back around to him. I think I'll, I'll very... drop it, but like you know, I never saw Luthez pin anybody with his pinky. So I think he. Was, I think Jerry was very generous. Uh, you know, I think I. I think basically it came down to he didn't want to hurt 
he didn't want to hurt Banks. You know, he really, you know, he he did him a favor. You know, with helping him into the ring and then just using the pinky as opposed to you know something that that you know he was he was in trouble. You know, he uh, he could he could still have um, brain damage or something. We don't know. So um, I, I appreciate that you really you took care of your opponent. Uh, that's you know it's a big part of the of the business. So that that was good. I thought that was that worked out well. Always yes, you're right. Always watch out for your opponent. That's that's the first rule of wrestling. You always need to watch out for your opponent. You don't want to really go out there and, like, break bones. I mean, you want to win the contest, but you don't want to take shortcuts. You don't want to, you know, punch anybody in the throat and, like, close up their airway. You don't want to make it so they can't earn their living, you know, which I could have done. Again, I could have done this to Benjamin Banks. I was very nice in what I did. Yeah. I'm sorry if it embarrassed him. It's, you know, well, it's so, his, his fault. Yeah, so maybe that's a good segue to the to the next question. You know, uh, we've, you've been called the, the Miles Davis of, of the art of pro wrestling. Uh, you've been called the Vince McMahon of Virginia, the Tony Khan of the Tidewater. Um, I'm sure there's some other alliteration out there that uh, that you've also been called. You could be the Vern Gagne of Virginia for all we know. We don't know. That's another one, yeah. 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 So uh, I guess my question, though, is it difficult being such a uh, both creative and financial genius in a business so full of ungrateful fans and, and talent? You know, it, it can be. It can be very challenging. Uh, you know, I think sometimes, you know, the fans, here's the thing, okay? Like, I wouldn't do this if I didn't care about the fans like why why else i mean sure the money's nice right but i wouldn't do this if if i didn't care just a little bit about the fans what i don't like is when the fans treat me with no respect because i feel like i treat them with the utmost respect i mean they get great matches every time vcw hosts an event you know i I put my own body on the line out there you know i've I've wrestled this is going to be my fifth match fifth match in 19 years you know, and as someone who was never trained to be a wrestler, aside from my great training with Luthez many, many, many years ago, but never had any like conventional training for any of these other matches I've had in VCW, I feel I feel like to put myself out there and and risk it. I mean, I'm, uh, you know, uh, that's pretty impressive. You know, they're they're, you know, I I, I feel like uh, what's his name, um, uh, you know, the guy who liked to take uh, all the not Super Dave. Uh, you know, the other one, um, evil, can evil, evil, can evil. That's right. That's what I'm like. The, I'm also not just the miles Davis. I'm also the evil can of VCW because you know, th- these are some extreme risks that, that I'm taking, especially, like I said, at my age, I mean, you know, m- yeah. most guys at my age are, are retired by the time, you know, yeah, the 40 rolls around in wrestling. Yeah. You're, so. you're pretty old. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting there. Yeah. Um, so you, you do seem to have a fair amount of heat with the fans, as you, as you mentioned. Um, I think, you know, at the last show that, that we went to at the ODU, there were, there were definitely signs that said, uh, Jerry sucks. Uh, and I saw a, uh, boo this man sign. Um, you know, what do you, what do you think is behind that? Uh, you know, that, those kinds of reactions, is it, is it just jealousy or is it, is it something a little bit more? Uh, bitterness probably too. Bitterness that I'm successful. I mean, I think it's not just, I don't think it's just jealousy. I think people just... I, I think I think when people can't find success in their own lives that uh, and they have an ego and they think that, you know, they deserve success, but they can't find it because they just don't have the qualifications or the talent or whatever they need, then they need to find somebody else to, to put the heat on, so to speak. Right. And I think that's what the fans do to me. I think maybe they haven't had the success they wanted in their own personal lives, whatever, whatever that means. And they see a successful individual like me running a successful independent wrestling promotion, and it, it upsets them 
quite frankly. And I think that's what that's why I get booed. That's why there are signs. That's why people say obscene things and approach me in public and say obscene things to me, which does happen, which within itself is a whole other story. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's really what it boils. I, I think if I were – I'm not, no psychologist, but I don't think it's necessarily anything to do with me personally. I think it's to do with their own shortcomings. That's fair. I'm a very, I'm a very deeply unhappy person. I take it out on everyone I meet. Maybe it's because they just don't trust you. Well, what's not to trust? I again, I provide great wrestling shows. You came, you drove all the way down here, right, for for our event. You had a great t- two events, right, in one day, and you had yeah. a great time, right? Great wrestling, in, enjoyable. You know, well worth the ticket price of admission. I mean, what's not to trust? You know, I just saw because- your hit on Benjamin Banks. I saw the hit. I saw that happen. So. That's Benjamin why Banks. I went back to the dollar store and I bought a marker and a bright colored board and wrote boo this man on it. So just was for you. you. Okay. Yes. So now we know. So Tim set you up. See, he knew. He probably knew that that was you. He went and say he went and set you up. So that that's okay. That's all right. Well, you Jerry, know it, he had the sign that said Jerry sucks. No, that, so, def- that definitely wasn't me. I, I, all I did was I told you asked me where the dollar store was. I figured you wanted to get some of your um, some of your candy and and something for your wife's you and your wife's anniversary, um, so I just pointed you in the direction of the of the dollar store. That 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 was sort of the end of my uh, involvement there. You drove uh, me to the dollar store. I don't I don't remember that at all. Do we have Do we have some other questions for Jerry? You know, wait a minute now. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about some more wrestling and not how he sucks or doesn't suck. All right, all right. We'll give you a softball now, Jerry. We're done. We're done grilling you. I'm not going to come at you anymore because you know, I, I just can't anymore. I Was can't. I can't with you. I can't with you. Uh, so, anyways, uh, the Liberty Lottery is coming up, and that's like your guys' like big event, like uh, like uh, WrestleMania. Perhaps we should change our show to all the Liberty Lotteries. Um, so. Uh, can you tell us about what the fans should expect at this event? Like what kind of matches the Liberty lottery and like uh, you got some big names showing up here for you guys. Um, Oh yeah. So what's going on? So the Liberty lottery originated in 2007. So I believe this is our 15th because of COVID. No, we, we couldn't, you know, we had a couple of years that we couldn't, but I think this is our 15th iteration of the Liberty lottery. I have to go back and check the record, the records on that. But um, the Liberty lottery itself uh, is kind of a combination of like lethal lottery, Royal Rumble. There's, there's a little bit of little bit of several matches in, involved in it. So there's 20 participants. Um, you know, names are drawn at random to determine the order of entry. There's about 90 seconds in between each entrant, and the uh, the twist on it is that the fans draw the names at random. And I believe we're gonna this year. The way we'll be doing it is they'll be drawing them like as fans are entering the building. So I recommend everybody who's coming to the show if you want to draw a name and you know, maybe run the chance of your person, whoever's name you draw, winning the match. You need to show up early because the intention will be to draw them earlier in the night, and then that way the match, when the match happens, it's a little more, you know, flows a little bit better. Um, you know, with uh, with moving forward. But the the Liberty Lottery has been a ver- our most successful event um, for you know the duration of the time the event's been around. I mean, it's always the the biggest drawn event of the year in Virginia for independent professional wrestling. Um, we don't expect any different. We have Matt Cardona, the, the indie God, Matt Cardona is our, um, special guest that night and he'll be wrestling and participating in a meet and greet. He's wrestling Mr. Excellence, Brandon Scott, who I know you guys interviewed and who I used to manage, you know, so, 
big fan. You know, be nice, be nice to me, Rich, because you know, I, I you know, I, I heard you, you were kissing Brandon Scott's butt when he was on here too, and and Brandon is a good friend of mine. Okay, so if you ever want to have him back on the show, you need to make sure you treat me with the same respect that you treated him. Okay, and and especially after being in a big match with Matt Cardona, I mean, you know, Brandon's already been multiple time Virginia heavyweight champion. Uh, you know, he's probably the best guy in the state. That's that, that you know this side of Magnum TA. I don't know who's, who's better than Brandon Scott. That's been from Virginia, but um, you know he, he's. Uh, I I I think his chances are very good that he walks out of there with a the win after over Matt Cardona, which is really going to just elevate his career to, into another stratosphere. You know, and then in addition to that, we have uh, Steph Delander. She's making her debut, and she's known to you know, be the um, manager of Matt Cardona. And she, she was in NXT as well and has had a good career herself. And she'll be wrestling Erica Lee. Now, obviously, the tag team match we talked about with ourselves. And then Virginia heavyweight champion, the Boar, will be defending his title against Joe Keyes, the number one contender, who, you know, ended a, a pretty impressive win streak of Tim Spriggs, uh, you know, when we were at Old Dominion back in June. And, you know, then then attacked Boar after his title defense as well. So there, there's a little bit of friction Certainly, that's an understatement between those guys as well. But it's going to be a great, it's going to be a great event. And then also, let me add this one little asterisk too. So the Liberty Lottery match, the winner, you know, historically in a battle royal or, or Royal Rumble, they have like a specific championship they challenge for. So the Liberty Lottery, you can challenge for any championship: tag team, Liberty Championship, heavyweight championship. And we've had a wide variety of people that have, you know, walked out of there and challenged for each one of those titles. So it, you really don't know what's going to happen. You really don't know who is going to walk out of there and which ch- title they're going to go for. And it's, it is it is the most unpredictable night of Virginia wrestling. It's also the first uh, VCW event that my wife and I saw when we moved to the area last summer. Um, we had only been here less, well, about a month. And I saw the poster or I saw it on Facebook. So I was like, holy crap, we, this, we have to go to this. And it was it was a lot of fun. Good times. Uh, was it Dirty Money took the that one or he had last year? Yeah, last year I think I think it was. I think it was last year. Yep. Mm-hmm. I like that guy. Yeah, should be a should be a good time. We're big fans of uh, Mr. Excellence. And big fans of the Boar. That guy's rad. This is not one of our our questions, but have you been? Uh, how, how do you think the Boar's uh, title reign's going so far? And do you do you see him kind of hanging in in that role for a bit? He's he's a big big tough dude and uh, seems to be able to bring it. You know, it's going to be hard for somebody to take him down. I'll say that. I think he definitely – I his, his win over Logan Easton LaRoe was uh, unexpected um, for sure. And, I mean, the the, the, the crowd certainly enjoyed it. Um, and, you know, he's, he's he's fought some tough challengers so far. He, you know, he defeated Brandon Scott. He defeated Brian Brock. I mean, he's he's gone – through some some uh, some tough challengers, and I, I, you know, if he can get past Joe Keys, um, I really don't know who's going to stop him at that point. I mean, he's he's definitely uh, Hogan esque in his um, you know uh, um, status in VCW as of right now. If I had to compare him to anybody, he's really into Kevin Nash. He would probably appreciate a Kevin Nash. Uh, oh compare, yeah, I know he is. I've heard. I I listened to your podcast. <laughs> I heard him. I heard him talk about that wow. as well. So, that yep. makes you, That's you know, one. Yeah, That's I was going to say literally one of <laughs> uh, one of two, maybe. Rich and I don't count. We listen to our episodes back, but I, I don't know if that really counts. Well, uh, if you get six people tonight, you know it's because I was on. So just, hell just yeah. make sure I get the ratings tomorrow morning. I want to know. Right. That's fair. 
That's fair. So if you want to check out tickets, uh, vcwprowrestling.com. Uh, you can check their Facebook page for the latest updates and announcements, wrestler profiles, events, etc. I got my, uh, I bought front row this time because I bought, was, uh, I bought front row the last time you guys were at the Masonic Temple. That was that was a lot of fun. I like being up uh, close and being able to yell at people like Neil Sharkey. That guy's a dirt. Um, and uh, I don't, you know, I'll, I'll refrain from yelling anything. Uh, too obscene at you i know you're a family man you come to the shows with your lovely wife and and, and kids so we'll we'll keep it clean for the fame i appreciate i appreciate that let, let me preface too so we're talking about the we're talking about the event so yeah i went i ran down the entire card i told you everything about it let me let me hit the basics on it right saturday july 29th croc center in norfolk is where it's located the salvation army croc center which is a beautiful facility as well right like we've got one thing i'll say about us is we, we try to go above and beyond and find some of the nicer venues in the area to host events. You know, we want to make sure we have plenty of space because we have, you know, very uh, big crowds, you know, that tend to turn out for VCW. And so, you know, we've this year alone, and we've been at Hampton High School, North Masonic Temple, uh, you know, Old Dominion. Now we're going back to the Croc Center, which we were back there in, in February. Um, you know, but it, it, it's a very um, nice facility. And certainly I encourage anybody, if you live in Norfolk or live in uh, Tidewater, you're looking for a gym or you're looking for somewhere. I mean, they've got a beautiful water park inside. It's a great, it's a great location to, uh, to check out, especially if you have a family. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and, and uh, doors will open at six 30 and bell time will be uh seven 30 for the event as well. And like you said, vcwprowrestling.com is where you go get the tickets. Nice. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of fun. You'll have, you'll have a good time. Yeah. So, uh, you've been involved with VCW since 2004, you said, but the, uh, promotion's been there since 1996. So how did you become aware of VCW and what drew you in? How did you start paying attention? How'd you weasel your way into the door? Yeah, there? Funny, funny, oh, funny. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you the, I'm, I was thinking about just because you said weasel, I was just going to not answer your question. But I'm going to actually go ahead and answer it. I'm going to tell you Come the on, real story. Come on, it's a compliment. You're like Bobby Heenan. Oh, funny. Okay. Yeah, nice. He was a nice brain spin. and a weasel, yeah. Nice, nice little spin there. I'm the king of the spin in this podcast tonight, all right? So just to, let, let, let's keep the spin on, on my side. Uh, so I'll, I'll go back and tell you that in 1998, I went to my very first independent show. I was I used to stay at... Um, school late because my mother worked at the school where I went to high school and um uh I found out like on a Friday that an independent show was coming on Saturday and I was like I have to be there like I I just I have to be I was 15 you know I was there first thing in the morning at like 10 o'clock in the morning waiting for them to come set up I hung out there all day I was driving these guys crazy I was bumping around the ring like they were throwing me around doing things that probably were they shouldn't have been doing you know I've I've since come to learn <laughs> um and they said this promotion was VCW so I said okay so I remembered that all right fast forward to like 2004 um when I meet uh Travis Bradshaw at, at a um Ric Flair autograph signing is where I first met him um and started talking about getting in with VCW and I said, oh, I saw you guys have a show at my high school back in 1998. And he goes, we never did a show there. I said, uh, no, you did. I'm like, I got in the ring. I've got it on tape, you know, whatever. You know, I would later show him this tape. And it turns out that it was another promoter that he had had a falling out with that ran a show, called it VCW, and, uh, you know, and, and ran, ran this, like, basically under the radar event and tried to make it look like it was. And there were literally, like, six people there. So, like, nobody knew the show was even happening. Like I said, I, I went to the school, and I found out the day before that they were renting the, the building to do it. So it was kind of like a spite booking, as they like to call it. Um, 
But that's like how I – that was like my first introduction to the wrestling business. So I was like, oh, this is the kind of stuff that happens. This is amazing. <laughs> like this is like how how things work, you know. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so 2004 when I came around, I thought I was going to be a wrestler. And I wanted to try out. And so I paid to do a tryout. And it was me who – and you know, I'll be honest from this point forward, okay? 145 pounds, soaking wet at the time. Um you know, not in shape, had not been to a gym since high school and a bunch of like guys who were like straight out of the military or currently in the military and in like amazing shape. And they, first thing they wanted us to do was like a thousand like Hindu squats or something ridiculous. And I did them. And then I immediately vomited all over the bathroom in the facility. And, um, uh, I, I was laying there like unable to stand covered in like puke and like one person walks in they look at me and they go he's done and they turn around and walk back out somebody else comes out i don't want to say who because i don't want to peel back the curtain too much but somebody else who still wrestles for us came comes in and looks at me and and uh they basically like go, oh, you said this is what you want to do right i said yeah they're like well you need to get up and get back out there and they walked away and i sat there i thought for a second i go yeah i probably should go back out there so i go back out there he stops the class and he goes, I want everyone to look at this guy. We we broke him. He was on the floor. He vomited all over the bathroom. He was done. And he came back out here. And he goes, uh, he goes, are you going to get back in there and do it? I said, I'm going to try. He goes, that's right. You're going to try. He goes, I want all of you to clap for him because that's what this business is about. It's not about who has the most athletic ability right out the shoot. It's not about, you know, who's, you know, gets it right away or any of that stuff. It's about who has the heart for it because, and I've come to learn since when you're out there um, and not that I, you know, know much. I mean, like I know about it, but like, I'm not trying to, you know, suggest that I know more than people who wrestle like all the time, but like you're really putting other people are putting their lives in your hands. And so you can't like have an off moment. You can't be like, I'm just going to dog it. You know what I mean? Like, or, or you have to really be on point and really like fight through the tired and the all the things that happen, you know, while you're out there and really like, um, you know, put your best foot forward at all times. And so that was like my introduction. So it's funny. So the, the tryout ended and they were pulling everybody up and they were talking about who they wanted to accept the school and who they didn't want to. And uh, they, I walked up there and I'll never forget like Tra I do an impression of Travis Bradshaw. Okay. So Travis Bradshaw was the promoter at the time. And he goes, well, uh, they told me that, um, you don't really have any athletic ability, uh, but uh, you got some heart. So we'll find something for you to do. I go, okay. I said, well, I have a, a, I'm working on a film degree at ODU. I can videotape. And they go, that's what we'll have you do. And so that was that. that's how I got my foot in the door is I, I started as a – I was ringside videographer for foof, like six, seven years after that. I didn't get anywhere near the ring <laughs> for a very, a very long time after my uh, my tryout experience. So – so that's how I heard of ECW, got into VCW. I know it's a long, convoluted story, but I don't think anybody's story of how they got into the wrestling business is like very straightforward. So yeah, that's pretty cool. That's a I like that. that's a I like that story. That's that's a sort of it's it's inspirational, even a little bit, maybe. Yeah, a, a tear ran down my cheek. Yeah, yeah. I may also it's... be sweating. It's kind of warm in this closet. Um, so <laughs> so then, how did you get from sort of running the camera? Uh, to the the director of operations role and and what all's involved in that that role for the company. 
Sure. So, um, you know, I, I did well. The video thing worked out pretty well for me for a while. Um, you know, and then I just like, I'm always like, I'm just like, I feel like I'm a creative person by nature. And like, I'm very like, I'm kind of like OCD about my creativity. Where like, uh, I like nitpick. I'll, and it, you know, I still get ridiculed for it today. But like, I'll have an idea. And I'll be like, this is a great idea. And I'll be like, this is the only idea. And then, like, a week will go by, and I'll be like, wait, I picked my idea apart. Not a good idea anymore. It needs to be this instead, right? And then it's like you kind of make adjustments. Well, I'd, I'd always, like, kind of had that sort of mindset. I was always interested in the creative of wrestling, but I was like, I'm not qualified to, you know, book a wrestling show or write a wrestling show. Like, that's not – I didn't think that would ever be in the cards for me because I wasn't quali- – I didn't feel like at the time, like, I'm not qualified to do anything but hold a camera is, is how I felt about myself. Um, but I went to their training school every week for years, like, because I wanted to see what I could learn just, like, by watching and listening to what people are saying and try to kind of cross that threshold from just being a fan to being, like, someone who, like, wants to, like, create and be a part of the industry, which is, like, there's a huge difference between those two things. So I just want to – let me say, too, if you're a fan and you're watching this and your goal is to get into the wrestling business, like, you have to not be – I mean, you'll still be a fan. Like, we're all fans. But you have to – not be like a super fan (laughs) like in order to um really like grasp what it is to 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 do this right um so one day like the person who was booking the show just like quit and the promoter was like you want to book the show and i was like no (laughs) (laughs) and and he goes well we got a show in like two months and someone's got to book it and i was like i'm not doing it and then like the next week i come back to the school again he goes you're sure you don't want to book the show I asked so-and-so, and they don't want to do it. I said, I really don't want to do it. I'm like, I'm not qualified to do it. No one's going to listen to me. Like, I'm not going to – they're not going to take me seriously. Third time he asked me, I was like, fine. I was like, I'll I'll book the show with you. We can work together. How about that? I was like, but you have to tell everyone what to do because I'm not going to be that guy who goes in and, like, acts like he knows everything because I don't – I know nothing, right? And so that was in late uh, – I don't remember, 2007 – maybe 2006 I don't remember what year that was but um that's how I got into the creative aspect of it and I did that for three four five years we had a late night tv show on Fox 43 we brought in Ric Flair we did a bunch of cool stuff um you know then I just we had some there was some turmoil uh and I decided that I was going to get out of that role and so I kind of went back to the camera for a little bit and then I was like hey I want to be a manager now and I started learning how to do that. And I worked with some very smart people who kind of helped me with that. And I was, I was an on-air like character, like getting a lot of heat for a, a long time. Um, and then, you know, then this opportunity to like, kind of not have to deal with the creative is very challenging. Right. And so like, I still like can have like a, um, fingerprint, you know, to a degree on things. If like I have, I want to give input or whatever, but I trust, our team to really make the right decisions when it comes to, you know, whether it's creative or whatever, whoever's role is right. Like I really like have wanted to get to a point where I could kind of like oversee everything, but not necessarily have to work on the finite detail of things because of what I described to you earlier, where I'm like, I will, I'm telling you, I'll have an idea and I'll be like, this is, this is great. And then I just like, no, 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 I got to change it. You know, cause I, I get like very, I think we all, I think we all search for the perfect, because wrestling is a very like um, you know there's a lot of improvisation and then there's you know there are you sometimes you walk through things too you have certainly you walk through things too, but I think we're all like in search of like the perfect match or promo 
or show. And I think that that brings a level of like OCD behavior to it because there is no such thing. And you just kind of like always like are like trying to, you know, make it better, make it better, make it better, you know, because we know that people like you guys are going to pick it apart, right? Like when you're doing a podcast. So, so we want to, we want to make sure we're like, we're, we're, we're making it as good as it can be. So that's how I got there. It was a long, again, another long convoluted journey to get to kind of where I'm at right now. But, um, you know, I, I, like I said, we have a really good team and I, this is my, I'm most comfortable in this role because I feel like I've, I'm good at like big pic, big picture stuff where I'm looking from the outside and going, okay, we need to get this done, this done, this done, this done. And then I just assign the people and say, Hey, let's get it done. And, um, you know, and like I said, it's been, it's been working well. I mean, it's, it's been doing good for the last few years. So hopefully it continues that way. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. The OCD thing I definitely think is the one thing that definitely appears in professional wrestling all over the place, especially when like you look at, uh, wrestlers like the undertaker and Shawn Michaels who really stretched out their careers that some people would say they should have maybe stopped, but it was because they were still looking for that perfect time for them to stop. Like they've already tried to have the perfect matches, but now they need to find the perfect way to end their careers. And, I think uh, that's that's definitely something that carries through, and then so they just keep trying and trying and trying. So, who are the other key players behind the scenes for VCW, and what are their roles? So, I don't want to divulge too much. I thought about this question. Well, of course not. Um, uh, I will say that uh, Jonathan Elliott is our talent coordinator. I know we did that at oh, we divulged that at Old Dominion. Um, I will say that as much as I don't like George Pantis, he is very integral to our process. <laughs> Um, uh, uh, Brandon Matheny is, is, uh, has become very integral to our process since, since my good friend, uh, Blake Chadwick, uh, who's Blake Howard now at WWE, uh, at NXT level up has moved on to, uh, greener pastures. Uh, Mr. Matheny has had to step up and help with certain roles and he's, he's done, uh, he's done a great job. He's done a great job. So th- th- there are others, uh, certainly as well that, you know, uh, help us, you know, so, but again, I don't want to get into too much detail, you know, I try to expose too much. I, I like, I, I kind of like, um, I kind of like the, our fans and those that follow us to kind of see it like wizard of Oz, like see the wizard, see the wizard, right. Or, or see the great and powerful Oz, but not see the man behind the, uh, the curtain, so to speak. Right? right. Um, I feel like that destroys the illusion, right? Cause a lot of what we do is kind of like a magic trick too. You know, I think, I think there's an element of that to it as well. Yeah. It's like back in the old, old days with the WWF, no one really knew that Vince McMahon was calling everything. They had Jack Tunney and Gorilla Monsoon and stuff, but it really, it's all, it was all Vince doing, doing the deeds. Um, and honestly, I think, uh, that's something that's missing in professional wrestling nowadays. And that's why I, I will honestly tell you that I had a great time at those two shows. And it's because of the excellent, uh, suspension of belief that, uh, VCW does. You don't know what's happening. You don't know what could happen. And it all is presented in such a great way, uh, that I found it very enjoyable. So, we appreciate that. You know, I have a philosophy. I feel like, um, you know, wrestling, I mean, like, you know, I think Eric Bischoff has said this, and he's like somebody I, I have studied very uh, closely when I when I make decisions on things. But I think that, um, you know, the, he said back in the 90s, they did, like, focus groups on wrestling fans, and a lot of them were saying, like, surprise, you know, the element of surprise. They love surprise. They love – and I think that, you know, WCW got a little – 
a little wild with that toward the end where it was just like nonsensical surprise. But I think if you like have calculated surprise, you know, you, you give people enough, but not too much. Right. And they can still follow whatever your, your thread is, your, your story thread is. Um, that's the balancing act that really like makes it work, you know, and our, our goal is to provide something that's like, if it's your first time there, you can follow it. You know, it's not so convoluted. It's not too insidery to where like, you just don't, you have to know like all the, all the terms and like have like, you know, 60 years of wrestling knowledge to understand what, what our references are. Like we're not that. And that you know, there's stuff out there that's like that. And it's, it's very good. It's very clever. Um, but that's not what we're, that's not the audience we're like driving for. You know, we want to get a little bit of everybody. Yeah, Rich and I have talked about this on the show a little bit. That your your promotion does have a a little bit of a an old school feel in that way, and that's that's a compliment. Um, in that, yeah, that what's going on in the ring and between the people uh, is what matters, and it's not about like I don't know, it's not about how many flips you can do or how many like clever. Uh, references to other matches from Japan you can work in. Um, and to me, that, that stuff gets real old real quick. Um, so it's, it's sort of, it's refreshing almost to like go for, first of all, to go to a live show and mix it up, mix it up with a bunch of people who are just honestly just excited to be there, excited to see their favorites, excited to boo the heels, um, excited to say Jerry sucks or whatever it is they want to say. Like, and that's, uh, that's, that's, it's a lot of fun. It's it's like it's theater with a pulse, you know. It, yeah, it's like the the old. It's kind of a bit of the old school. Yeah, like your grandpa would want to go to the wrestling matches down at the armory, you know, as opposed to like let's go to a taping of Monday Night Raw, where like you might see two matches, three matches, and you're there for three hours. Meanwhile, you know, this was action packed. It was it kept going, uh, but there was something there for everybody. So. Uh, Good job. We appreciate that. And, you know, and again, you have to, like, um, uh, differentiate yourself, right? I mean, because to your point, you know, you can go to – we've had many times where, like, Raw is going to be here the two days after our show, and I'm like, great. Uh, like, now i got to figure out, you know, how do you convince people, hey, come to this independent show, don't, you know, or if you can only afford one, you want to come to our show, not go to Raw, right? Which I've, I've come to find out people usually will go to both if they really want to go to both, right? Um, but I think you really have to find a way to like differentiate yourself and especially with so many different independents all over the country, like right now, like it's really hard to kind of stand out. And so my philosophy has been, we're just, we have just consistently attempted to run the most solid product we can. So when our name comes up, people go, Oh, well, you know, they have really, they've had really great matches or they've had, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of where I'm, it's a. I'm playing the long game, right? Like I'm not, we're not trying to like just get like quick social media clicks. You know, we're, we're building a base based on the, the volume, you know, the content and the quality of the content. And I think that that's, you know, why we're, where we're at right now and why things are still just kind of moving, moving at a steady incline. Yeah. That's um, actually a good segue to the next question. So when we did our little panel at uh, ODU last uh, early June, I guess we talked a little bit about, 
um, how the popularity of pro wrestling is kind of cyclical and, you know, kind of goes up and down every, every 15, 20 years or so. Um, and big time wrestling is, is doing great right now. Um, WWE is pulling down, uh, serious numbers every week. AEW is, is hanging in there and <laughs> they definitely have their devotees. If, uh, if you get on wrestling Twitter enough, you, um, think that these two are going to like start the second civil war any day now. But, um, <laughs> but, like to me, like the more exciting thing is actually this sort of thriving indie wrestling scene. You know, I think Rich started paying attention to uh, the NWA and their like their YouTube shows and stuff. You know, a while back before it was um, before it was hip. And but it's 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 cool to see it kind of like thriving, and it gives a lot of people more opportunity to work in the business, and and also gives more fans the opportunity to experience like live wrestling. So just kind of curious, any of you know your thoughts on the indie scene from a, an insider on that scene and you know kind of where do you see things uh now and where where do you think they're going you know it, it's crazy to think because like when i was a i remember when i was a kid like i mean the you know late 80s early 90s like hulkamania was running wild and everybody my age was like way into wrestling and then like i got to be like you know 10 11 whatever and wrestling was at like its lowest point from like 93 or 92 to like 95 you know whenever it finally nwo came around and you know stone cold and all that stuff started up you know and then it was like i was a teenager and it was like it's funny because I, th I think about this like all the time and it's had like i remember being really like everyone asking me my opinion on wrestling all the time in school to everyone be like why do you watch that fake shit you know <laughs> like all the time i can say shit right is that okay but everybody, everybody's oh, yeah. saying yeah you okay. can say all the words all right everyone's like why do you watch that fake shit like you know to like back to you know, well, I remember one day very specifically, I was like standing at the urinal in high school and this guy who'd never talked to me before walks up next to me, and goes, Hey man, you watched Raw last night? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, yeah, man, but can we talk about this later? Like, 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 give me a minute, you know? But it was like, everybody all of a sudden wanted to know, cause they knew me as a wrestling guy. So they all wanted to like, and that's actually how Blake Chadwick and I met. I'll tell that story real quick. Like it was funny. Cause like, he's a couple years younger than me. And like, somebody told him there's another wrestling guy that goes to school here. <laughs> and he was like, no, there isn't. I'm going to find this guy. It's like he came to, like, was he going to fight me? Like, he's like, he's coming to fight. This is the way he tells the story. And then we met each other. We got to be friends, you know. So, but it's like, you know, I think at that time um, in, in the business, like, um, you know, for those of us that, like, went through that, like, you know, cycle of, like, this, we were very much, like, very protective over, like, our, our feelings about it, you know. Um uh, you know, because I, I think that it's like you, you get you get kind of like pigeonholed as being like, well, why do you watch that dumb wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that now the explosion of independence, I think there's a whole like generation of people out there that are my age and maybe like millennials, like a little bit younger than me, who like are in that same boat where like they went through that same like they rode that same wave, man. And like they're, they, they decided they were going to go out there and create what they wanted to create. And, and there's, that's why there's so many flavors of ice cream. And again, I'm, I'm not like, um, I don't think our way is the only way to do it. I think our way is the best way to do it in our market. I think that there is a market outside of just, you know, Hampton roads for what we do too. And we've done events on in other parts of Virginia too, that have been successful, um, I think there's even a market out. I know there's a market even outside of that because we have, you know, almost 10,000 Facebook followers. They're not all from Virginia. And like, you know, we've got f almost 5,000 people on YouTube and, you know, we've got uh, whatever is 1,500, 2,000 people on Instagram. And, you know, a lot of these people are coming from outside of the area. So I know there's a market specifically for what we do, but there are so many like 
niche markets within the niche of professional wrestling. It's crazy. And I just, I would like to think that the fans are so fiercely loyal at this point and they've been through so much that this wave of, at least with the independents, is going to last for last for a long time. Um, you know, barring any major controversies or, um, you know, any, anything that could kind of derail uh, wrestling again for another couple of decades. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, I'm very optimistic about the, the future of it. Yeah. I've, I've, I've kind of felt that like WWE over like the last 10 years has just kind of left room for other, for other wrestling kind of thing. Like it's, they have a very distinct product and you can like it. Uh, but, it also doesn't cater to a lot of wrestling fans that are out there, especially the people that were into the more edgy attitude era or the people that were into ECW so much. Um, just, just as two examples. And so that definitely leaves a window, uh, for, for stuff and their product isn't, doesn't look quite the same as like how it did back in the Hulkamania days. And that's something that some people want. And that leaves room for more traditional looking wrestling to, to occur and stuff. So I definitely think, um, at any point, probably WWE could decide to where, okay, well, we're not going to start doing all that stuff and pull away. But I think, uh, they might be under the mindset nowadays that that might be bad for business because they can't they they can basically use all the indies as as a minor leagues almost it's almost a, a minor league structure yeah I mean I think they're always going to have their um, preferred avenues for training people though I mean I just think that you know I don't think like there's going to be a, a great like squashing of the independence like there was of the territories <laughs> but I think that yeah. you know um, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure that maybe they see some value in it, but they go through the periods too, where they're like, well, we're only going to sign people if they're like an, a, a football player or like a, you know, track star, you know, and then they'll switch and they'll be like, well, we're only going to sign people if they've been on the Indies for 15 years and they know how to work. Right. Like it just depends on what the, yeah. what the need is. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it, it's, um, it's definitely, I hate to say it like this, but I feel like even if they wanted to like squash everything, like how are you going to squash like like yeah. you know you cut one head off and like Hydra, you know it's going to grow like there's going to be five more the next day, you know like just the way that the way that it works right now. But um, but no, again, I think it's really it's really cool that there's so many um varied varied promotions. You know, I think the I think the real you know I I feel like with, with when you have multiple um independents especially if they're in like a, a close like a, within a certain close like proximity to each other the diversification of what everybody offers is re- it's really going to benefit everybody when you have if, if if promotion a is offering this brand of wrestling and promotion b is offering this brand of wrestling with different rosters then the fans have a reason to go to both shows right it's you know when 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 things get too close to each other and that's what I was talking about like us trying to diversify ourselves from from what other people do right and like what other promotions do because like if you why would you watch what we're doing if like you can see it 12 other places you know you have to right. we have a very specific like roster of people very specific way of doing things and like a lot of the people on our roster they wrestle at like promotions that do things totally differently you know and then that's great because it gives them some diversification in their portfolio as well i think you just look at folks like matt cardona who you're bringing in for your your next show 
you have uh he could be working for he has worked for WWE before he could be working for them he could be working for AEW if he wanted to he showed up there for a while but he's pretty much chosen not to he wants to work the indies he wants to circulate around and have those options and i think that's a that's a very telling sign of of what's going on same with Brandon Scott Brandon Scott could probably get signed to an NXT contract if I don't know if he wants to, but he could, but he, I know he works with MCW. He works with you guys. He works with some other folks too, you know? So it's this, these options that are suddenly now there that I think are really healthy for the business. For sure. And, and it, it raises the bar. Cause like everybody works really hard, you know? I mean, that's another thing is like, I can, I mean, and, and the wrestling, like I love the wrestling from the eighties and nineties. Like I'm not like I'm not by no means am I saying anything negative about the quality of the wrestling from that time. But if you were to compare like the technique from those eras to the technique of today, and like how like and people like to like to poo poo on like the wrestlers of today for like ah they don't know psychology or they don't they do too many high spots or whatever. And like some of that might be true. Some of that might be might be warranted for for certain people, you know. But like when you watch just the sheer technique of like, you know, how they're hitting things and like the athletic ability and the things they're doing. It's, it is like, it is like, you can tell it's been fine tuned over many, many generations to get to that point. And that somebody taught something to somebody else who then tried something new, who then taught what they knew to somebody else. And it's been passed down, passed down, passed down. And it's just gotten more and more and more fluid, you know, to the point now where, where, you know, you hear people complain sometimes that it's like, it's almost too fluid. You know, it doesn't look like a, you know, it almost looks yeah. like it's like too choreographed, you know, too choreographed, which is a complaint I, I'll sometimes even say, you know. But I think that that's just the nature of the beast. And I think when you're that, when you're so good, you know, then, then it becomes, you know, the the little mess ups that we used to, or little botches as we like to call them, you know, that you would see, right? Like they, they don't really like um, exist the same way that they used to. You know, there there certainly are still mess ups, but they're not. It's not the same as it was twenty, thirty years ago. Yeah, so that actually kind of segues into our next question for you is that we've we've seen recent v, uh, VCW talent, uh, Logan LaRue and uh, Brandon Scott pop up on the major on the major uh, promotions here. Uh, and then Action Andretti from MCW suddenly got over surprising everybody on AEW uh, and, has, and they've has transcended that uh, that enhancement talent role uh, that frequently uh the, the folks are subjected to um and we think that that's really cool to see and we appreciate that there's that kind of flexibility in working with vcw and then the big guys uh so we're just curious about like what how do those arrangements work uh when when a guy gets a call so like if wwe or aew is rolling into norfolk and they need a need someone to put Wardlow over do they do they call you guys or do they just contact it depends the, the talent directly yeah or? it depends i mean there's different you know and again i don't want to peel back too much of that process right because yeah. i don't expose what somebody else's process is but i can tell you that it, it happens multiple ways right sometimes mm-hmm. the talent will reach out they'll provide like a tape or something and they'll or they'll want to try to get booked mm-hmm. and then they'll get in that way or they'll know somebody or whatever the thing is um, you know, we've certainly had people ask before, you know, and be like, Hey, can you send X number of people or whatever? Like, I don't want to get into the details of who, what, what, when, where, or why, but it certainly has happened before. Right. Um, 
you know, uh, it's a little bit of all three. And then sometimes you have people like you use Brandon as an example, where like they all know Brandon, like he's been doing the extra stuff for them for years. Yeah. Like they know where he lives. They know what, what, where he'll, tr- you know, where he is easy for him to travel to. So if they, they have a need, they'll just call him and say, Hey, we need you to, you know, the person's in charge that will call him and say, Hey, I need you here on this date. And he'll usually get like, you know, a couple of dates at a time, you know, for that as well. So it, it's, there's there's a few different ways that it happens. I don't think there's like really any real one one way, you know. Um, but I can say that whatever my advice to anybody that ever gets one of those positions, even if you just show up and they don't even use you, they just like have you there. Like you need to be thankful that you're there, you know. Mm-hmm. Like be thankful for anything they give you because you are going to you are going to be around the tippy top of, of talented folks in your art form, like just by being there. And I mean, there's, you know, have conversations with people like, you know, talk, talk, talk over with them. Like, you know, if, if they're willing to right? like, you know, tell them what you, what you're looking for to get out of the wrestling, you know, I mean, the, the network, you know, networking is very, very important. So, um, I think wherever, cause sometimes people get like kind of down on like, Oh, well that guy's just, doing a job on TV, like, you know, whatever. Like, I, I mean, like, I feel like, like, that's great. You know, you got paid to be on TV. <laughs> like, like, yeah, what's wrong with that? You had to work two minutes and take like three moves. That's and... what I'm saying. Like, and you, and you helped establish somebody else, you know, like who they're, who's being built, you know, like it's a job, you know, at the end of the day, it's a job. Like, I think some people get stuck in their own head sometimes and they like, you know, whether, whether you want to call them like, um, I guess I use the term Mark, whether you want to call them marks for themselves or whatever, like they feel I'm too good for that. Like, okay, whatever. Like it's a job, like go to, you know, if I told my employer, like, I'm too good for that, like I'd be fired. (laughs) Like it's just the way that it, you know, it's just the way it usually works, you know? So, uh, I've gone back and started watching Monday night raw from the very beginning. And uh, that's back in the day when they would have enhancement talent come in to put over people like Mr. Perfect or uh, Razor Ramon and stuff like that. And you can see the good ones and you see some bad ones. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Just one episode I just watched uh, earlier uh, late last week was uh, the guy totally messed up taking the perfect plex from Mr. Perfect. And Mr. Perfect was so angry that he punched him after the match. (laughs) Called on camera, he punched him, <clears throat> called him a bad name, and threw him out of the ring. Like, yep. so you might you might think that it's lesser work, but it's not. It, it, it's a definite skill to be enhancement talent. That's for sure. important. Yeah. Think about how many people have been signed that have done that work. Mick Foley, Matt yeah. and Jeff Hardy, Scotty Tuhati. I mean, like these are guys that like did enhancement work for a long time. You know, and they got signed and they all became big stars. Like it's not, you know, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any shame in doing any sort of work, uh, for, for a major, no matter how big or small for a major promotion. I think if you get, if you get that sort of work, then, then good for you. That That's just my, <clears throat> you know, other people have different opinions, but like, that's just my, my, my perspective on it. And if you really want to watch some good squash matches, man, I'm, I've, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole and watched. Uh, Evil Doink the Clown, after I watched that Dark mm-hmm. Southering. If you want to watch some squash matches that were like a guy, when somebody screws up, he does not, 
He is not nice to them. <laughs> like, go watch Evil no. Twink the Clown. I watched so many I... one day, and I was just like, man, this is <laughs> – like I forgot guys, how, how much I liked like Matt Bourne's work. Like, and I, I just like, Doink. yeah, he was he was great. You guys should talk because Rich is a huge Doink fan. <laughs> Are I, you? I, I bust, love Doink. I bust his chops all the time saying that Doink's his all time favorite wrestler. <laughs> Doink the Clown is a genius. He won't uh, admit it. What a genius short gimmick! What a short period of time that guy was like in yeah. that in that gimmick, right? And like he just made such an impact. Still to this day, you go back and you watch it, yeah. you're like man, like some of this stuff is like really like low key funny. Like like I mean he really yeah. knew what he was doing, like every like thing he did with that gimmick. And he had weird submission moves too, which added to the thing. Like he had this his finisher for a while was this thing where he like sat the person would be sitting upright on the mat and he would sit on their shoulders and then grab like their right ankle and yeah, pull it up towards their puller. face. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Like I had a com- uh, I had a conversation with somebody last week who I won't name and I was like I think somebody needs to bring back the stump puller. And they were like, it's the dumbest move. I said, no, it's not. I said, how insulting is that? You're sitting on a guy at the back of his head. You're pulling his leg up and he can't get out. It's like it's the most demeaning submission hold. I said, that is a, that is a great finishing move. And the person was, did not agree with me. I'm like, okay. I think, I think you could get it over. I think if you found the right person to just just – just fucking sell it. I I think you could get that you, move over. You know still. what? You sold me. I'm gonna I'm gonna pit, when I beat Benjamin Banks on July 29th, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna embarrass him. I'm gonna put him in a stump puller at the at the end of it. That's what I'm gonna do. That's I'm gonna I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna go to train this week and I'm gonna get someone to help me show show me how to put it on properly so he can't he can't get out of it. Yeah, Ray, it's, Ray it's, Apollo is still kicking around. Maybe you can. Uh, and get him to help you out. <laughs> yeah. I can confirm that now that Ray Apollo is the doink that I met. Uh, a couple a oh, while ago. Okay. So that was Ray Apollo. He's the one that's doing the circuit as Doink the Clown on, on autograph signings now. Um, but you can tell when he takes over because uh, Ray Apollo does not do the stump puller. He does the whoopee cushion from the top rope mm. as the finisher. Well, Matt Bourne did that too. I mean, they all, yeah, but I think, yeah, you're right. Ray, like, really po- uh, popularized it, right, when he when they brought yeah. in the... You know, and then when they needed a, a, a good guy doing the clown, I think that they, I don't think Matt Bourne probably was thrilled about, and from every, interviews and stuff I've heard with him, he wasn't really thrilled about having to change Doink from being like, you know, Krusty the Clown to being like Bozo the Clown, you know, and I, I think that that's, yeah. you know, it, it, it may probably made more sense to give that to somebody else who was more in tune with what was needed for that. I now like you because you like Doink, so <laughs> I, I apologize for everything See, I said I earlier. I knew I would get over I... with you, I just had to... It only took an hour, but it worked. It worked. Just had to find the right had to find the right avenue. Yeah. Yep. The best way to Rich's heart is through Doink the Clown. <laughs> Pretty much. It's an old saying, but it's true for a reason. Um so yeah, let's see. So we don't want to keep you all night. Although we could talk about Doink the Clown and Raw and Jobbers and um so just a couple of thoughts from your last answer um so when we talked to Brandon Scott, um and you guys should go back and listen to that episode because it was a lot of fun. Um but he told a pretty good story about going up to uh, I think it was Raw and he uh, he was Arn Anderson was kind of like working with him back you know behind the scenes and he did a good job for him he did a good job on the Monday night uh, match and Arn Anderson's like hey kid you want to come back and work on Friday for SmackDown and he's like hell yeah so like you know you're talking about you never know right like mm-hmm. talk about rubbing shoulders with uh, with some of the greats I can't imagine like having Arn Anderson being like hey good job kid. Um, what a what a what a really cool experience, you know. No matter no matter what it paid, <laughs> so um, 
Um, but we've we've really enjoyed talking to Brandon, and we talked to the poor, and we really they have some good insights on kind of the the history and the business of wrestling, and we've really a good you know seeing their work along with uh, you got you got some really top notch uh, folks on your roster. Like I said, Dirty Money is is great. Um, the Greek God Papadon is uh, he is fantastic heel. I like that guy. Um, yeah. Logan Logan is. Uh, is super like technical and smooth. I like that. Like he's, he could, he could do it this anywhere. I think, um, Alex Devine's kind of a young, uh, upcoming talent. You got Devante's who's like built like a brick shit house. Um, so how are you feeling about the, you know, sort of the depth of your, uh, talent roster at the moment? And are there some areas where you want to, um, kind of build it out or are you, you feeling pretty good? And it talks a little bit about, no, the- well, our talent coordinator has done an excellent job. I'll just, I'll say that. And I give him a hard time all the time because he's been my friend for like 10 years. But like, I do that, uh, from my heart because I know, and I've told him before, like he, I think he does a very good job at finding, you know, talented cats to come in and, you know, uh, you know, ply their trade here. Um, and he's, and he's very good at figuring out who is, is going to have a great match with who. Or, or whom I don't know what the proper usage is there, but um, whatever but, it's a wrestling yeah, podcast. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but <Dunk>. um, <laughs> but uh, but no, I really like. I don't. I don't think we're like lacking anywhere. I mean, I think he's done an excellent job, and I think that like he, he there's still like a huge, vast ocean of talent out there that can always. There are only so many uh, matches you can have it on a show before like people like are burnt out. So you know, we try to. Um, do you know progress? It's a progressive thing, you know. Some people you bring in every once in a while. Some people you've got, you know, they if the crowd really likes them or they win a championship. I mean, they're going to be there all the time, right? Um, but I, I I really think he's doing a great job. And to your point, you just named you know what five or six people that are all all really good and and they're on you know varying positions in the card and varying nights. They could pretty much work anywhere they wanted to. I mean, that's. That's really what it's all about. Yeah, that's great. We're hoping to get some more of those guys on here. Like I said, we've really enjoyed talking. I think uh, Rich, I think, really wants to get Dirty Money maybe for the next next go around. He's he's had a bunch of belts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Papadon oh, yeah. Papa, Papa sounds good. I'm afraid he'd yell at me, though, and I might cry. He, he seems kind of like the <laughs> same. He seems Same. kind of intense. Both of those I'm guys. A fragile, I can't. Both of those guys are are, are <laughs> veterans, and they're great. they'd be great to talk to. I mean, they'd be they'd be great. They could tell you guys all kinds of things, so they'd be, they'd be great to talk to. Let's hit you with some some rapid fire questions here to 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 wrap this up. All right. So we're gonna come right at you here. Favorite wrestler and manager. Oh, favorite manager is probably if I say Bobby Heenan I feel like that's everybody's answer but I do feel like it's Bobby I do feel like it's Bobby Heenan I think a close second to Bobby Heenan though is Jimmy Hart and I don't think enough people mm. I don't think enough people say Jimmy Hart but Jimmy Hart managed to be like a, a, a what they call a bumping um manager and usually that's like the kiss of death. You know, once you touch the manager, there's like, there's no heat left. Jimmy Hart got beat up all the time for years, <laughs> for like 40 years yeah. and like, and kept his heat. Like, I'm like, it's crazy. Like you have to really be talented to to do that or like, or be really annoying, which is what I feel like it's good to be like as a manager, you have to be like, find that like thing. And I think with the megaphone and everything, he just was so, so good. He's um, a genius. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, and, a, he's a genius. Oh yeah. And he was, 
he did both um, heel and and uh, face managing, you know, and he, he did kind yeah. of switch back and forth. Oh, we just lost Rich again. Oh, that's all right. He didn't want to hear who my favorite wrestler was. So he'll hop he'll hop back in. And favorite wrestler? So I said it. I, I said on the uh, panel, and I mean it, that Andy Kaufman is my. And you see, I've got Man on the Moon poster behind me, but Andy Kaufman is probably my favorite uh, wrestler, which is funny to say, but it's because like. You know, he didn't. I, I this is gonna sound like I'm being lazy. He didn't have to do much, but like he had the people so upset at him, like they wanted to like strangle him, and he got booked in Memphis over and over and over and over again, and like was selling out houses, and didn't do hardly anything. And I feel like that, like, like the the technical like like I could very easily say to you like oh Eddie Guerrero and Eddie Guerrero is a great talent too right because his like in his charisma is great but like I mean like technical work in the ring I don't think you get much better than like Eddie Guerrero or like uh, Kurt Angle is like really great to watch too like these guys that are like really good at like the, the technical stuff I could name somebody like that and say they're they're my favorite wrestler and work rate wise probably are my uh, more favorite than Andy Kaufman but like I think it really takes a special individual to like do as little as possible and make people react <laughs> so gutturally to what they're, to what they're doing. And so I think that's why, like I take that as like a, um, uh, inspir an inspiration for myself <laughs> with that, without having much athletic ability, you know, to, uh, to, to take that and, and be like, okay, well if I can get a reaction, I mean, that's everybody's there for. They're there to react, whether they're there to react for the moves or they're there to react for the storyline or they're there to react for the promo. I mean, you're there to yell and have a good time. And, like, I mean, like, I've, so often I found myself sitting at wrestling shows and looking around and being, like, like, was watching people react and, like, what they're, you know, what they're reacting to and what they're not. And, like, that's what you want people to go home and have had a good time and, like, to be, like, unable to hear a little bit when they get home. You know, it's like they went to a rock concert because want, you want them to come back next time. So I feel like, you know, the, the, getting that reaction to me is what I usually use to determine who my my favorites are. And that's all. I'll just stick with Andy Kaufman, I guess. Good choice. Good choice. I, yeah. uh, you don't hear that often. And I think it's partially because you mentioned the Man on the Moon movie. And I think uh, what people know these days of that is just that movie made it seem like Andy Kaufman wrestled for like a week. <laughs> no, he wrestled but for a long went, time. Yeah, it was a long running feud and constant. Um, so, uh, yeah, good call. Uh, favorite wrestler entrance music? Ooh, uh, I really like Gangrel's. Even though he DDT'd me, and I've got heat with him now because he did that to me. Um, I really like. I mean, like his is like really. It has withstood the test of time. Twenty years later, I could still listen to that one and be like, "Yeah, this is a this is a good one." Like, um, but you know, I love that, and I love um, you know, Real American. will always have a soft spot in my heart <laughs> yeah. when, it, when it comes crashing down. I get that tear comes to my eye, and I'm like, "Man, I'm six years old it again." It does hurt inside. Yeah, it just yeah. hurts so much. Yeah. <laughs> All right, your favorite WrestleMania? Uh, the one uh, one of the ones I went to, which was 17 in Houston. I think everybody mm. calls that the best one, right? Uh, I was graduating high school that year. My dad was like, let's go to WrestleMania. So we went to Houston, Texas and went to WrestleMania. And it was, it was amazing. Damn. Yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, dad. Yeah, it was, it was great. And they had the, my, one of my favorite WrestleMania matches of all time, the gimmick battle Royal. 
See, these are, yeah. you're really getting insight into like what I like and what I don't like tonight. Because I'm telling you, Andy Kaufman's my favorite wrestler, and I love the gimmick battle royal. Like again, things that just like get a great response from people. Like that's what I, you know, it, it's that it's that feeling you get when you're watching something. That's really what like um, you know what, what inspires me to to do what we do. We like that the uh, Iron Sheik won that one basically because he was in such bad shape. Nobody he couldn't, he couldn't take throw the, the top rope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yep. So he just stayed in and won. <laughs> uh, so I guess that would also be your favorite live wrestling event you've attended. Or uh, that one was really good. Yeah. Uh, let me. Th- I, I, you know, I've also been to a couple Starcades. I went to, um, uh, you know, and it, it's not like a great show, but I went to like the Starcade that was like Battle Bowl, where like Sting and Luger wrestled at the end or whatever. Like and like it was a really. I I was uh, you know I was young because it was at Scope and I was I was young enough. To where, like, I, I remember very specific things about it because I was like, "Man, this is a big show we're 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 going to," you know. Um, it'd be hard for me to say. And I've been to to like TV. I went to a um, they had a show in Hampton back in like '98, and it was the it was the night that like Raw was in Hampton and Nitro was at Scope. Mm. And I remember that Hampton Raw show very vividly just because of the fact that they were on opposite sides of the water like competing or whatever and like that might have been my favorite show i ever went to not not just based on quality of show but because of what it still to this day represents right and like for it to happen in hampton and norfolk is like all the cities in the country and it happened in southeastern virginia on the same night (laughs) during the apex of wrestling like it's just it's crazy it's crazy the, the odds of that i mean that's an absolutely kind of iconic night i mean they show footage of that all the time yeah anything that mentions the monday night wars it shows up any it's it's probably on the uh on like the b reel from like like anything that WWE does, you know. That's oh, a, yeah. So I'm just looked up Starcade 91. That's also the one, uh, the Lethal Lottery. So, yep. uh, you guys need to watch it. There's, see, there's a, there's yeah. a, there's, my sister to this day, to this day will not watch wrestling because we took her to that. And like, um, I think it was that, that show. Mick Foley did a thing where he used to spit in the air and he caught it in his mouth. And she was like, I'm, take me yeah. home. She was like, she's like, I've had enough. I've had enough of that. So. Is, is that the one with the three rings, or am I thinking of that's World else? War Three? I went to those okay. as well. They had two of those in Norfolk yeah. too, and they were. See, I've been to so many shows. Like I, I haven't been in a long. I think the last live event I went to was in like 2012. So it's been a very long time. Um, that's not a VCW show. Like it's been a very, very long time. But um, yeah, you know, that's I, a good. I'm just looking at this card. That's a good one. Lex Luger and Arn Anderson with Harley Race versus Terry Taylor and the Z Man. Ricky Steamboat versus Cactus Jack. Sting and Abdullah versus Brian Pillman and Bobby Eaton. Vader and Mr. Hughes versus Rick Steiner and the Night Stalker. Um, who else is there? There is a Scott's? great, great spot on there with Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker. So okay. if you guys watch it, when the spot happens with Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker, I want you to know that that is the spot I remember more than anything from that show. And that's, again, like a window into like the memorable moments and the things that like stand out to me when I, when I'm watching wrestling like that, it, it's, it's pretty amazing. Well, we should uh, watch it and have you on to talk about it. Cause we've done yeah. that with some <laughs> other folks. We had, uh, uh, Dr. Jess on and she, uh, which, which one was that that she went to? Was it 20, uh, 29? I think she said she went to WrestleMania 29. Oh yeah. So we, uh, anyway, we have had her watch, um, it was a Royal rumble, I think. And then we, yeah, talked about it with her. It was, it was, Rumble ninety six, I think. Yeah. Anyway, 
Um, so you want to um, you want to plug the show one more time before we uh, wrap it up? For the sure. Evening? So Virginia Championship Wrestling presents the uh, Liberty Lottery. It's our biggest show of the year, the biggest independent wrestling show in Virginia of the year. It has been for since 2007. I mean, for for a very long time. Uh, Matt Cardona, the indie god, will be wrestling Mr. Excellence Brandon Scott. Myself and The Reason will be winning the VCW Tag Team Championship from the Golden Pinky Society. Steph mm-hmm. DeLander takes on Erica Lee in a one-on-one uh, match. Uh, the Virginia Heavyweight Champion Board defends against Joe Keys. And then the 20-entrant Liberty Lottery match where the winner gets any championship match they choose and the order of entrance are determined by random draw by you, the fans. Because Jerry Stefanitsis is a man of the people, a man for the fans. I could very easily have just said, we're going to do away with that stipulation if I didn't care about the people. So please, let that mm-hmm. be evidence that I care mm-hmm. about the fans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't think Rich is convinced. Uh, but we... <laughs> I, I, anyway, appreciate you being on the show. You know, Rich... Absolutely. Yeah, you know, we, t- we, you know... It is what it is. Uh, we we appreciate you being here and, and talking to us, and uh, we're I'm excited for the show. I'll probably be texting Rich furiously from the front row. Uh, maybe I'll put him on uh, on Zoom or uh, FaceTime <laughs> or something so he can he can boo you appropriately. Um, so for tonight, uh, remember you can find us at allthewrestlemanias dot com. You can check us out on Facebook, uh, Twitter at WrestleMania Pod. YouTube, Instagram, pretty much everything you got. If you want to drop us five bucks for the cost of our, uh, you know, equipment. And look at this arm I got. I got a new arm. This is very exciting. Um, I got a a new table and everything. I'm I'm much more comfortable here uh, than I have been. So um, that's that's thanks to uh, our, our... Fabulous listener support. If you go to ko-fi.com slash all the WrestleManias, you can drop us the cost of a cup of coffee, and we, we put it to good use so that we can put out the best quality program for you. So um, thanks again, Jerry, and um, I'm signing off. I'm Tim. And I'm Rich. And we will see you next time. Mm-hmm.